Chris Tire Information Whiskey, 2153 Zulu. Wind, 0605. 0606 Mike Juliet, this is Parcher Radar Contact. Hazardous weather information from Minnesota available on flight service frequency. You've dialed in the Flying Midwest Podcast. Connecting aviators from across America's heartland. Sharing news, information, and events from around the region. Sit back, relax, and join our crew for some hangar talk as we discuss a wide variety of regional aviation topics. And now, from our home at the Anoka County Blaine Airport, our checklist is complete and we're ready for departure for another episode of the Flying Midwest Podcast. What is going on, everyone? Jim here with the Flying Midwest Podcast. So happy you're able to join us. On this episode, we feature the first of two episodes with meteorologist and former hurricane hunter, Nicole Mitchell. In the first episode, we'll talk about flying in the spring and summer months in the Midwest. And as always, news, information, and events from around the region, with some friendly hangar talk along the way. So strap in, and let's take off into this episode of the Flying Midwest Podcast. Hello, everyone. Jim here. Flying Midwest Podcasts. I'm joined by Maddie, one of my co-hosts. Um, Trevor will join us in just a little bit. He's in Fairchild Air Force. He's at some Air Force base. Um, he's in Spokane, but yeah. he's getting tortured. So he's busy yeah. with that. And while he's busy with that, hey, what's going on, guys? <laughs> <laughs> so I put on our Facebook page um, a little adventure one of us is up to on the Etsy machine. What do you know about that, Maddie? On the Etsy machine, uh, also known as the place where I spend too much money. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> I have a little shop. It is called Aviatrix Airmail, and I create envelope stationery, if you will, out of sectional charts. So I'm trying to get rid of some right now, and so I'm currently making a lovely little coupon code for Jim. It's just for me. <laughs> it's super special, just- and I'm not sharing it with anyone. Oh, thank you. But little uh, self-promotion here. So if you go to my Facebook page or my Etsy, which is under Aviatrix Airmail, no spaces. Um, if you use the code BLUESKIES15, you can get 15% off your order. And if you spend more than $35 at my shop, you can get free shipping. I have all kinds of stuff on there right now. I have um, postcards and folding cards and all kinds of fun stuff. And I have I put up more stuff all the time. So if you are interested, you like writing letters or you just like cool looking aviation stuff, go hit me up over there. See what I got. I like and it. advertisement. <laughs> so I'll say that I was on your Aviatrix Airmail Facebook page today. And okay. the most recent thing that you put on there, it's like an envelope. It's got a little plain stamp in the corner. And mm-hmm. um, it it just looks really cool. So there, Thank that's you. my compliment to you. I I enjoyed what I saw. Well, thank you so much that you're going to give me a special promo code so I can spend 50% off everything on the site and just pillage it. Right. Is that what you said? You're yes. Doing? Buy all of my things. Buy all the things. <laughs> you have to start over. Yes. Which would be actually, I have a couple that are in development still, so I wouldn't be totally out, but it definitely would be a pain. So don't be that guy, Jim. 
I won't be that guy. I got to leave some but for to everybody all you else. listeners. <laughs> we will certainly <laughs> tell you what, you we'll can for buy sure this. put links in the show notes so you can check out Maddie's work. Absolutely. I think it's pretty cool. Maybe you'll think it's pretty cool. If you like it, help support Maddie. Thank you. And don't forget to use Blue Skies 15 for 15% off your entire order, which is kind of a lot when it comes to buying things. So <laughs> <laughs> make sure to use the promo code $35 equals free shipping, which is very exciting for everybody. Yeah, go check it out. See if you like anything. The other thing that those of you who actually stick around long enough to listen to the blooper reel and don't just turn us off after a minute and a half, five minutes or whatever, and you get tired of us. Um, there is brief mention, not of the company specifically that you, that you have, um, but the joke about you were talking about collecting sectionals and I thought you meant couch, <laughs> not aviation charts. Oh, geez. So that actually, I... we were talking about your little startup thing at that time. And yes, that's where that joke came from. Yeah, I collect couches, if you guys didn't know, um, <laughs> for no other reason than just, just to have. Or to nap on, or... No, I just like them just to have. Yeah. I like having them around. <laughs> Don't but you I, like just like a nice couch or like five couches? I, I think that one of our previous guests, that we talked to them about this story too, but I think that he made the point of, you could probably only really collect about two sectionals if it was couches. <laughs> so I'm not sure what you'd be doing for a collection with that, so... Yeah. Well, if you stack them, that's good. You stack them. (laughs) It's like, you know, high rises. You just got to stack them, you know, higher, you know, you got all that space up there. Like sectional bunk beds. (laughs) You can probably slide under there. We're not getting in the weeds at all. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Jim, what's in store for this episode? On this episode, we're going to talk about some weather again. We had the episode, our very first episode was about winter flying. So as we transition into spring and summer, we thought it'd be a good idea to revisit some of those topics for people to knock the rust off before they venture out to fly this season. So to help us out with that topic, we'll have a quick CFI minute from our resident CFI, Maddie. Then we'll be joined by Nicole Mitchell, who is a former meteorologist with KSCP here in the Twin Cities in Minnesota and is still involved as a weather officer with the Air National Guard in Wisconsin. But before all that, should we talk about some news and some events, Maddie? I I think we should. And that okay. sounds like a good idea. Since we didn't get a chance to actually talk about news and events last episode, <laughs> we'll talk about you, all the relevant stuff that's coming on in the Midwest in just a minute. What are you talking about? Those were all absolutely relevant and super realistic and not super at all made-up stories. No, not at all. Okay, well, just to be sure, we'll make sure to put in the show notes all the links to the news stories you're about to hear. Then you know we're on the up and up again. Awesome. There's a gentleman in Duluth, Minnesota, who is actually starting up an air park. They plan to break ground later this year, and it will be called Superior Aero Estates. They already have an FAA identifier. It'll be 4-3 Mike November. And they will have a 3,500-foot by 100 foot grass runway and it will have 18 home sites on the property it's building it's this guy's dream it's going to be cool we're excited to see what happens all right coming from uh, north dakota from flying magazine piper names uh, a couple new brand ambassadors attached to the und school um carson calhoun and piper hetchell 
were named as uh, as brand ambassadors for Piper. You might remember the the brand ambassador program that Piper has. When we uh, talked to our uh, our representative um, Al Taylor out of Mankato. Now, these two new brand ambassadors will share their stories, uh, their flight training journeys on social media and through the aviation events. Both Piper and Carson, uh, they, they hold their private pilot certificates right now, and they're currently working on their, their uh, instrument ratings. Jackie uh, Carlton is the Senior Director for Marketing and uh, Corporate Communications at Piper, said that uh, they're pursuing their Bachelor's of Science in Aeronautics with a, ma- with a major in commercial aviation. Um, the Baron Ambassador Program is designed to help create a, a collaborative environment uh, between the flight schools and Piper, um, because there is a, such a heavy um, emphasis on the uh, zero to hero process, and really the 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 Piper line has a fantastic lineup of aircraft that can actually accomplish a lot of that. You know, starting off with the very basics, their uh, their Piper Warriors and Archers, all the way up to their Seminoles and and beyond. Having a presence on campus through these ambassadors, the, the goal for Piper is to increase their awareness in the aviation degree. As we've seen in the past uh, few years and, and really for the past decade, uh, we're turning out less and less pilots. So the more that we whet the appetite of people trying to get them into the aviation world, trying to get people to realize that, hey, there is a pathway, there is a future in aviation. This is really goes to the crux of that. We look forward to uh, both Piper and Carlson sharing their training experience, providing a glimpse of a glimpse into the exciting life of a pilot in training. So that's a nice transition into our next story, which is also looking to expand career and technical education opportunities for students. Uh, this one is also out of North Dakota, where UND, arguably one of the powerhouses of aviation college programs in the region, is for the first time ever going to partner with a local high school in Grand Forks for what they're calling Aviation 105. Essentially, the point of the program is going to be to get high school students interested and involved in aviation. Uh, One of the associate professors has talked about that a lot of the students will come in saying they want to be pilots, but they do a lot more than talk about just flight training. So they practice maneuvers and simulators. They talk about principles of flight. The point is to get them interested in the whole of the aviation industry. So these students will also receive college credit while attending high school classes where they're going to learn more about various aviation topics from their instructors. That's cool. So I like seeing that more aviation in schools. I really hope that program opens up a lot more windows and doors. Well, the thing is, it's just not talked about in schools. Like I went to a school that exclusively focused on STEM. Basically, they said they were like liberal arts, but like they wanted you to go into a STEM career. And aviation was never mentioned in any capacity whatsoever. Not at all. And had I known about that, I might have been interested earlier. I mean, I am now, (laughs) clearly, but it wasn't because of school. So getting kids exposed to it, just the idea of aviation is super important. Let's go a little bit south to uh, Sioux City, Iowa. The Sioux City metro area is adding two more pilot training programs. So there are two flight schools that are opening up or reopening. Uh, One is called Carver Arrow, and that will be aligned with the University of Nebraska Omaha's aviation program. That will be at Sioux Gateway Airport. And then Graham Airport also um, that same day said that they would plan to open um, pilot training courses at Graham Flying Service, and they have reorganized the program to do that. Um, On top of that, Oracle Aviation uh, LLC is an Omaha aviation company and has already partnered with Morningside University. And they 
have established a fully accredited aviation program that will offer a Bachelor of Science degree in aviation-related fields. So heading down, down, yeah. heading over to Missouri. North. Last month, on March 21st, a bunch of general aviation pilots flew from across Missouri to join together for the first ever food flight. The organizer, Cole Finley, decided that he would like to run um, a food drive based around flight. Pilots flew from all over the region um, to Columbia Regional Airport, where he's based, and he didn't have a goal in mind, but he hopes to execute the event once a year, preferably around the holidays. Um, This food flight brought in 557 pounds of food and $225 for the food bank for Central and Northeast Missouri, which is awesome. Congratulations, Mr. Finley. That was awesome. So if you're in Missouri this time next year, keep a lookout for a food flight. Go and donate some food. That sounds like flying for a good cause. Yeah. We need more of that around here. Heck yeah. All right. A partnership between the city of Dayton and the the, uh, National Aviation Heritage Alliance um, are seeking to basically redo the uh, the historic Wright Brothers airplane factory in West Dayton. Now, there's going to be an infusion of money. The partnership between the uh, the city and this and this alliance will bring into about uh, 1.4 million dollars in uh, state capital grants to basically preserve this historic site. Now, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be happening to it, and which includes. Uh, demolishing around 17 buildings and a guard station, um, removing debris. The city has has also approved the use of $800,000 to to create new outdoor recreational trails. So just a quick little factoid, the, uh, the Wright Factory buildings, which operated between the years of 1910 and 1916, are significant because of the fact that uh, they were the birthplace of aviation history in America, according to the, the National Park Service. So when that whole redevelopment is updated and complete go and enjoy that that's going to be on my bucket list when i get back to the state and uh repurchase a an airplane to go flying out east so as part of yet another initiative to build confidence in the future of aviation and future aviators fedex has provided a grant to the national aviation hall of fame it will go towards their discovering flight learning with the national aviation hall of fame program one of the major goals of the program is going to be to ensure that there's equal access to quality aviation and other aerospace educational programs uh, through our school systems. The program itself is focused on a multifaceted curriculum strategy, and they hope to partner with other organizations to support younger learners and the educators to engage them in aerospace and aviation. All right, Textron's making headlines again for a major contract. Uh, Executive Jets, LLC, has uh, decided to order up to 30 Cessna Citation CJ3 Plus business jets from Textron. Now, the deliveries will will begin in 2023, so next year gives uh, Textron some time to actually build these brand new aircraft. But this order really brings efficiency and comfort to the, uh, to the CJ3 Plus. It's a really nice platform. Now, the deliveries are supposed to begin right around 2023. It'll take possession of five aircraft per year following the purchase. And uh, basically, this is going to bring in new efficiency and comfort to the CJ3 Plus series platform. Because we simply cannot stop talking about Textron, we're going to talk a little bit about what they're doing with their piston aircraft lineup. Textron announced that their Beechroft Bonanza G36 will have a higher maximum takeoff weight, which is good for that platform. Um, Because it has a 60 configuration, the more weight it can carry, the better. 
Also, the Bonanza and the Baron will have three new interior options and <clears throat> a new set of Garmin avionics. That particular set, the Garmin GI 275, will also be included in their Cessna uh, piston aircraft, which includes planes like the Skyhawk and the Skyline. These upgrades are being announced currently at Sun and Fun in Lakeland, Florida. Okay, should we read some events? We should probably read some events. So we've talked about this one before in our events section, but don't forget that Friday, May 21st and Saturday, May 22nd at Buffalo Airport, it's the Great Minnesota Aviation Gathering. This is an awesome celebration for Minnesota aviators. There will be over 40 exhibitors at this event. There will also be a rusty pilot seminar put on by the AOPA. There will be FAAST seminars as well and other forums. The cost is $10 per person per day. It's free to MNPA members and those under the age of 18. You can go online for more information at mnpilots.org or facebook.com slash mnpilots. On May 7th, join some aviators in Eastern Iowa for the second annual Eastern Iowa Aviation Poker Run and Scavenger Hunt. There's a registration fee of $25 with $10 for each additional hand. There's going to be stops at multiple airports in Eastern Iowa, including Clinton, Tri-Township Savannah, Monticello Regional, and the Matthews Memorial Airport in Tipton. There will be a free will donation lunch starting at 11 a.m. at the Clinton Airport. If you'd like to register, you can do so through PNN Flight and Charter at Clinton by May 5th by calling 563-244-4770 or emailing math.read at fly-iowa.com. That information will be in the show notes. On June 18th, there is the Pride of the Pacific Ray Fagan Memorial Air Show at the Lenzen Row Fagan Memorial Airport in Minnesota. In case it gets rained out, the rain date is the 19th, so the next day. Admission is $25 online and $30 in person. Military is $15 online and in person. Kids from 10 to 17 is $15 either online or in person, and 9 and under get in for free. Tickets are non-refundable, but they will be um, available online. And we'll include the link in the show notes because it is very long and I do not want to read it. That's fair. <laughs> it's just a bunch of like numbers and stuff. Now so. for the next event, we, I think are going to fight over this a little bit, but uh, because Trevor's going to be tortured, I think we're going to give him this moment of just sheer taco bliss. Trevor. <laughs> All right. Taco mania food truck fly in Ooh. Union County airport. The uh, identifier is uh, Mike Romeo Tango. This is uh, Sunday, May 22nd. Uh, the time is going to be 0930 to 1430 for you uh, militaristic people. For average people, 0930, so 930 in the morning until 230 in the afternoon. Street tacos, young eagles, and other activities. Oh, my. So you get street tacos, you get young eagle flights, and you get activities. Uh, you also get a, uh, a guest speaker. And Danny Mortensen will give a presentation at one o'clock or 1300 for your military people. And the presentation is confessions of an air traffic controller. That's actually cool. We should go. We should go to that. I like tacos. Do you like pancakes? Yeah, we like pancakes. All you can eat pancake breakfast fly in at the Ames Municipal Airport in Iowa on Saturday, April 23rd. There will be breakfast, airplane and helicopter rides and static aircraft display. Don't miss it. Do you like pancakes, Manny? Yeah, I like pancakes. (laughs) <laughs> you, you're as excited about the pancakes as trevor was about tacos i i'm gonna argue that i was slightly less excited about the pancakes than trevor was about tacos <laughs> okay I'll say that but you just the excitement i've had my fill of tacos your, your for the ears. past two months like every other day was tacos 
Hey, let's go to this taco truck. Hey, let's go to that taco truck. Hey, let's do okay, this, but let's tacos are kind of awesome. Yeah, I can do tacos a lot. So just quickly for this this day or month in aviation history, because we haven't done it in a while. In the first week of April uh, 1994, so this is the 28th anniversary of FedEx Flight 705, which was um, a hijacking performed by a disgruntled FedEx employee who tried to overtake the crew of this flight, which took off from Memphis. The hijacking was fortunately unsuccessful as the crew was able to eventually restrain the employee and was able to, through incredible feats of heroism, get the plane back on the ground safely. Unfortunately, these three men were not able to get their uh, medicals again, save one, which was able to fly privately much farther in the future. But we would like to honor these three men, Captain David G. Sanders, First Officer James M. Tucker Jr., and Flight Engineer Andrew H. Peterson. These three men all showed exemplary bravery in their feet. I mean, these guys were awarded for their bravery as well with some pretty significant honors Mm -hmm. um, from the aviation community. But in addition to just, you know, the hijacked flight, these guys, this was a disgruntled employee who intended on using that aircraft as a missile into a FedEx facility. So the numbers of lives that they saved through their actions is commendable. It brings a brand new emphasis on, at least it brought a brand new emphasis on mental health and who's allowed in the flight deck. If you, dear listeners, have a chance, please go read about this incident. It's definitely something that will be completely mind-boggling if you've never heard of it. You might not think it's real. It is. It is a real thing that happened. And that is why we were giving these pilots well their well-deserved accolades. Hi, Uncle Tom. He listens to the podcast. Oh, Hi. <laughs> thanks for listening (laughs) thanks for listening uncle tom so you remember we visited winter weather a few months ago now it's time for spring and summer to get its turn so to lead us into this topic we'll have nicole mitchell again tonight which we teased earlier in the first part of the podcast but let's start off with a cfi minute for maddie where she's going to talk to us about spring and summer flying you guys ready for thunderstorms let's talk about some thunderstorms Welcome everyone to this episode CFI Minute. Spring has finally sprung, which means the trees are growing leaves and the weather is changing. This welcome transition from winter to summer may bring comfortable temperatures, lake days, and sunshine galore, but there are some weather phenomena that we as pilots should be looking out for so we don't fly ourselves into trouble. In the wintertime, we had to be concerned about the temperature dew point spread, mostly in terms of icing probability. As it gets warmer, we have to be cautious of different types of fog that can occur. Especially during morning flights or trips around the Great Lakes, be vigilant about where fog is reported or likely to be found. Be attentive to temperature dew point reports along your route of flight. It can take some time for fog to burn off once the sun rises, so if there's fog, plan to depart IFR or perhaps choose to wait to take off until the coast is clear. Performance is also something that is vital to keep an eye on during the warmer months. Gone are the days of superior performance due to cold, dense air. The warmer a parcel of air is, the further apart, the air molecules in the parcel will be. Furthermore, when you add humidity into the mix, the parcel is being filled with water droplets rather than air, which is thoroughly unhelpful when it comes to performance. Hot, humid days can take a toll on your performance since your engine, propeller, and wings are getting less usable air to create energy thrust and lift. Make sure you do your weight and balance, take off calculations, and be honest with how your airplane may realistically perform in the given conditions. The last weather change I'd like to touch on is thunderstorms. Although Minnesota had that wild event in February, which we called thundersnow, thunderstorms are extremely common in the summertime, and they can pop up most any place in time if the conditions are favorable. 
As you might remember from initial training, thunderstorms occur when we have an unstable atmosphere. If the sky is covered in flat stratus clouds, you're reasonably safe. The other two things you'll need for thunderstorm formation are a sufficient amount of water vapor and a lifting force. In the Midwest, lifting forces are most often local winds and outflow boundaries from other storms. In rocky or mountainous areas, you may even experience upslope flow. Put these three components together and you have a recipe for a thunderstorm. If you've ever been to Florida, it's easy to see how thunderstorms develop. What starts as an innocuous, puffy little cloud quickly turns into a tower. This tower grows in height and width, sometimes looking like a tree trunk or a huge head of cauliflower. This growth is due to the lifted air being thrown upwards, called a convective updraft, until it reaches the equilibrium level, which is where the temp of the rising air equals that of the air around it. That's when you see those nice anvils. Eventually, the growth maxes out and the cloud graduates from a bumpy cloud into a full-blown thunderstorm. The mature stage occurs as soon as precipitation hits the ground. Thunderstorms can carry extreme turbulence, hail, wind shear, icing, downbursts, lightning, and even tornadoes. As they start to dissipate, the danger of widespread wind shear and downdrafts is intense, even if you think you're far enough away from the storm. Use caution when operating in the vicinity of these storms. Legally, you must keep 20 statute miles away from a thunderstorm. This isn't to keep you from having fun, rather it's to protect you from microbursts, hail, and lightning. They can reach that far, yes. So this has been just a tidbit on some weather you can find as it starts getting warmer here. I would encourage you all to read up on weather if it's been a while. We can easily get stuck in winter weather mindset and the rust can easily build up on our hard-earned weather knowledge. Just like you should keep fresh on your POH, your procedures, and your ATC phraseology, it is beneficial to remind yourself of possible weather you may encounter this season. Stay safe out there. So on this episode, we welcome Nicole Mitchell. She is a former meteorologist with KSDP in the Twin Cities and also has been a weather officer with the United States Air Force. So with it being Severe Weather Awareness Week in Minnesota, at least, we thought it'd be a good idea to cover um, different topics of weather that we as aviators face as we go into the spring and summer months. So before we get started, I'm going to toss it over to you, Nicole, and have you tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Uh, so I'm a meteorologist. I've been a meteorologist, well, first observer, then forecaster, then weather officer. For the military, um, I actually got in in 1992. Um, I was 12, if you're doing the math on my age. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but uh, so first with the Minnesota National Guard, then the Indiana National Guard. And then as, as I was moving for my career as a television meteorologist, um, I'd ended up in a place that just didn't have any guard openings nearby. So I managed to get into the Hurricane Hunters where there's only 20 of those positions for meteorologists. Um, in the entire military and stayed with that for 16 years, even as I was moving around and then started a family. I used to take my son, Sam, even on uh, sh short deployments. Um, but as he was getting closer to school age or preschool, um, wanted to be a little closer to home and not traveling so much. So I came back uh, to take a command position in the Wisconsin Guard, which is where I am now. And I hit 30 years this summer. Wow, congratulations. Thank oh, you. Absolutely. Very cool. That's awesome. And then, of course, as I kind of mentioned in there, uh, TV career, um, working at a few stations around the country and a few national networks, the Weather Channel for several years, um, Al Jazeera America, which was in New York, um, did some freelancing for CBS. And then again, when it was kind of when I started, my family had my son moved back to Minnesota, which is where I'm from, grew up in Woodbury, moved back to Woodbury. And 
Um, I'm also now a foster parent to two little boys. So busy. Awesome. That's, That's commendable in and of itself. That's a tough gig. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So thanks for doing that. We need yeah. more people like you out there that do that kind of thing. So how did you get into weather? Like, was that something you were always interested in or? So I like science, um, but I had to, like so many people do, I had to figure out how to pay for college. So uh, my both my parents had been in the reserves, um, my mom and my stepdad, and that's actually how they met. Um, and then they both transitioned over to the guard. I kind of did the opposite, went guard, then reserve, and then back. Um, but they were like, hey, you know, we can't pay for college, but here's a program. And, you know, so when you go into the military, you test. Um, I tested well in the sciences. And um, so they were really kind of pushing to get me in one of the science jobs. I was looking for college. I was considering pre-med at the time. So I looked at Aeromed and the school was really long. And then they offered weather. And um, I'm pretty sure the recruiter told me that the school was only three months long. (laughs) What he didn't tell me was that was only the observing portion. So it's like, <laughs> oh, yay, a nice short school. And then I found out that um, to progress in your career, you had to go back for another seven-month school. So it actually ended up way longer than the school I had turned down for being too long. But I enjoyed it. I've always been a camper and an outdoors person. So I figured even if I didn't use it for my career, I you know, could use it for those things. And then I ended up enjoying it and was going for college for communications and kind of looking at journalism. And I ended up merging the two for my civilian. So that's how I ended up in TV weather. Cool. Do you find that there's major differences between like your Air Force weather forecasting and like local TV weather forecasting? Oh, big differences. So, and in fact, when I, um, my first TV station that I worked for for full time, I interned at, at care in the Twin Cities. Um, But then, you know, when it was time to like go get that first job, I was working as an assignment editor and part-time reporter and I'd already been doing weather for the military and I was the meteorologist and I, the other weather forecasters, the station weren't actual meteorologists. And so when there was a weather event, he'd come talk to me (laughs) and we'd chit chat weather and he'd be like, why aren't you doing this? And I was like, oh, I don't know, because when I'd done it for the military, including on some deployments and especially on deployments, you know, it's 12 hour shifts. Um, I've had deployments where it was 12 hour shifts, four days on, two days off, rotating the opposite shift on the schedule for, you know, where you didn't know if you were coming or going. And, um, and it's pretty intense for aviation because it's so much more specific. There's different aircraft type with different tolerances for, um, like cloud levels, which we called ceilings, as you guys know, um, and what ceilings they do or don't use instruments on, what they can tolerate for, for fog and visibility. So you not only have to be much more specific, but if you're on a deployment with multiple aircraft, you could have multiple tolerances that you all have to keep in mind. And occasionally people that take it out on you a little bit <laughs> if the weather isn't cooperating with the mission that they want or everything else. So it can be pretty intense at times. Literally, it never happened on my watch, but I'd have planes that someone else sent out come back and say, they got the cloud cover wrong and the enemy saw us and they were able to shoot at us then. <laughs> like it, it can be um, you know, pretty intense, as I said. So I really enjoyed doing it but it wasn't something I wanted to be doing day in and day out all the time 
Um, I think it would have been different had I been active duty because my experience was deployments where it was even more intense. But regardless, um, it just wasn't what I wanted to be doing full time. And so as I kept talking to the meteorologist at this TV station, he'd be like, we don't do any of that. Um, and it's, it is, it's a different skill set. It's for television, it's much more communication. It's much more like just integrating weather into a person's life. All right, can they get outside to mow? What do you have to send the kid out wearing today as they're heading out to school? And then if there's something very dangerous, like a tornado, clearly communicating that. Um, but where for where for the military, it's it's missions and tolerances and um, you know very specific with ceilings and visibilities and things like that. So it, it's really is kind of a different brain um, job, and I've liked that I've been able to do both because it kind of works different types, different sides of my skill sets. Have you been finding yourself marrying the the two together a little bit more? Um, the, the further you get progressing down your career, you know, marry the military portion with, with the civilian portion. Well, I mean, there's overlap because it's, it is weather for both of those. Uh, so for example, we had, um, oh, was it a year, year and a half ago, there was a helicopter that went down and mm -hmm. I looked up the weather conditions and I was like, oh, I can, I can almost tell you what happened before any investigation came out. And no one else in the weather department even thought about it. But I was like, I'm so used to aviation stuff that I was like, I bet this is all of what happened because it was it was fog and it was some other conditions and it was a medevac flight. And and I was like, you know, they were probably felt pressure to go save this person. And, you know, so I, clearly I didn't speculate on air, but I was able to talk about how weather conditions impact that. And the same thing at the weather channel. Um, you know, if we had anything aviation based, um, uh, like a plane that had a rough landing or even crashes, they'd usually ask me because I was just much more fluent in those things. And then conversely, when I did uh, the hurricane hunting, um, you know, that was a mission where it was actually being reported where I was working. And so I'd be able to talk about, yeah, I just got off the mission and we saw this. So there's definite overlap at times. So Severe weather week. With snow. With snow. Right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's severe weather for places like Texas. That's true. I mean, some of those big, big nasty storms where they're getting the crazy stuff. We end up yeah. on the snow side and that's, that's been us. <laughs> so obviously from a general aviation side for us or pilots in general, I suppose, uh, as we move into those spring and summer months, from the weather side, uh, what do you consider, like, what is the greatest risk to flight? Uh, I mean, the greatest risk, risk to flight really any time of year is thunderstorms because they just have so many variables with them um, from downdrafts, microbursts, um, lightning, hail, occasionally tornadoes. Um, yeah, they just <laughs> thunderstorms just bring a myriad of problems with it. Um, when we talk about specifically spring and because Minnesota is farther north, it, it gets into summer a little bit, but um, you know, this is the time of year. This is our, our big transition season where we are going from the winter weather 
to that kind of spring thunderstorm weather. And so you do get weeks like this one where you have rain and a chance for storms and we had snow. But what's happening in the spring is the jet stream is working its way north. And so you get a much more active pattern with that jet stream and, and its position as it as it kind of transitions up through our area and then eventually farther north and usually will sit a little bit more into Canada. But as it's moving, as it's moving from the southern United States up through its way through the Midwest, um, it, it becomes much more active. So you can have a more active storm pattern. When it gets to our north, we're kind of on the high pressure side of that where things get a little more stagnant again. But spring, active. Um, so not only do you have more storms going through, but you also have that contrast where usually you have the cold air to the north of that and the warm air to the south. And so you get more dynamics with that too. So the change in the pressure on the two sides of the jet stream is going to lead to spring often being our windiest season. So then you have problems like wind shear and gusts and, and things that can be occasionally unpredictable, gusty wind especially, because you know, you might not have that, that consistent wind as you're coming in for a landing, something like that, which could be very dangerous. Um, of course, thunderstorms, more likely to be severe this time of year. And as I said, it's also more active because of the pattern. And thunderstorms can have anything, including turbulence, icing. Um, there have been reports of lightning strikes that have gone as far as 20 miles out from the thunderstorm itself. Um, there have been reports of hail that has shot as far as 20 miles out from a thunderstorm wow. itself. So you really need to give thunderstorms a, a wide berth. And then just, just remember, it, it's kind of like us starting to winter drive in the, at the start of the winter when everyone's forgotten everything. Um, I think a lot of general aviation pilots aren't flying as much in the winter. Yep. And so there's also just in the spring, like everyone's kind of getting back to it. You got to shake a little rust off. So that can be a problem too. Um, thunderstorms also can lead to wet runways and just hazards that we kind of haven't dealt with recently. And in the spring, you even have more birds mm -hmm. because of migration. So there's just, there's just a whole bunch of things that are a combination of you know, we haven't been flying as much in the winter and we're dealing with them for the first time. And when we're dealing with them for the first time, it's also when the weather is getting active. So, you know, you, you brought up something that that's very interesting to, to me, at least, you know, you look back a few years ago, I think it was 20, 2018 back on Memorial Day weekend when we, we reached what 103 degrees and then we had the, the, all those storms pop up and in the late afternoon just, and I was flying back from, from Staples as I, my wife and I, we flew up to my family cabin up in, uh, up in Motley and we're flying back and I'm like, mm, I don't think we're going to be able to make it back, but let's just see how far South we can get. And, you know, as we're flying South, you know, I think we got all the way up to, um, I think we got down to St. Cloud. So 30 minutes into the flight, we're like, you know what, I'm, I'm calling it quits right now because you're just seeing this big old like a towering queue. Yeah. It's just monstrosity. This is just this huge thing. We're staring right at it. I'm like, okay, we're just going to come and do for, do a quick little landing. And by the time they got the airplane put away, another system developed like that. 
and I'm like, not even five minutes. Nothing just dumped on the whole ramp, and it was just, it was amazing. The summer months where you have a little bit more that convective activity and these pop up storms. Can you talk a little bit more about those? Because they're not always associated with like a frontal system, are they? No, I mean in the summer. So in the summer, uh, clearly we get systems that go through too. Right. But we've got. I think it's really 14,000, but we've got 10,000 lakes and a lot of humidity. And especially if you've got some moisture from the Gulf of Mexico, you know, a, a little heat instability, you're going to have some pop-up stuff. When I went through forecasting school, our rule of thumb was always for towering cumulus was um, if the base and the height was the height was at least three times the base. So like a one to three ratio, if it was really lifting up like that, that's when it kind of had that lift that you had to start watching it a little bit more. So if you're just seeing a couple puffy Q develop and they're not, you know, gray turning dark and they're not really like accelerating into the atmosphere, there's definitely just those kind of innocuous cumulus days where we, we right. yeah. I used to fly in Florida. I did a majority of my flight training there and it's when you go, you have your thunderstorm lines and stuff like that, but really a majority of the time, that's all that there is the single cell pop-ups. And so you just grow to expect them at that point. Like I've departed and we've had a little few puffers around then I've come back, you know, to the other side of the coast and suddenly there's towers everywhere. It's like, all right, cool. Um, you just kind of learn to navigate those kinds of things down there. But up here, I feel like the weather isn't as predictable in that way. Cause like in, in Florida, you expect them there every day. You, it rains every day, unless you get lucky, really lucky. So you know that they're going to be there, but here, because we have a lot of different weather and stuff, we don't have the ocean right there and stuff like that. I feel like it's less predictable. So suddenly you get these pop-ups that are like blow everybody's mind for some reason. And it's, I mean, and they can be very intense during the summer months. So it's good to yeah, keep an eye I mean, out there's, there's things. things to watch for like a uh, Virga. So, you mm-hmm. know, if you see a little shower, it's not hitting the ground. Well, there, there's probably some turbulence under that and some wind under that. Clearly, if anything's overhanging, or like, you know, an anvil or something, stay away from that. Um, mm-hmm. If in doubt, give it space. But yes, not everything is going to be a, a major thunderstorm in the summer because it is a much more stable pattern. So um, the spring and the fall are high periods. But as we learned in December from our tornado outbreak, it can right. happen any time of year. Clearly. And the thunderstorm we had in February, we had lightning and stuff. And I'm like, wow, it's like snowing right now. This is so cool. Oh, the, the thunder snow, the thing that I the feel is just the most unnatural thing in the world to me. <laughs> it was very strange. But you're going to tell us that, no, that's just weather. And that's a thing that it does sometimes. I, well, clearly it is a thing that it does sometimes because <laughs> it did it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if you have a really, really robust storm, you've got that enough warm air aloft and energy coming in. I, I've certainly seen that a few times. Um, it's not often, but yeah, if you get a really cooking storm, you can get that. Interesting. So as we get close to wrapping up here, if there was anything from your perspective as, you know, both Air Force and, you know, TV forecasting, what would you pass on to like Midwest aviators as things to consider within those spring, summer months as we start to knock that rust off? Just 
remember all of your kind of uh, good tips, like remember what a thunderstorm looks like and what you should maybe be looking at on the radar that, you know, a little hook can, can be a tornado that um, if there's a little notch in there that looks dry, that, that could be intake. Um, that even as thunderstorms collapse, they leave outflow boundaries, um, which is a little area of lower pressure that something else can develop. So, you know, it doesn't hurt. There's a lot of courses online to maybe just refresh, I would say refresh on the radar maybe, and some of those little things that, that you wanna look for and, and really stay away from. And I will just say as a meteorologist, apps a lot of times are computer-based and not people. So be kind to your meteorologists, but my app says, and you said this, um, <laughs> yeah, they're not that people aren't fallible too, but, um, you know, sometimes the apps and the algorithms aren't going to quite give you everything. So if you can look at something yourself, look at actual data yourself or, or go to a human forecast, even the national weather service, um, you might get a little more information. So if you go to the National Weather Service, the, um, the ADDS, the aviation side of things, are those all checked by observers, uh, like human observers, or are those only computers? So I know if we're thinking of the same ones, a lot of like the icing and turbulence ones, to my knowledge, um, are coming out where they're checked over by humans. The government doesn't put out a lot of stuff that, to my knowledge, that comes out without at least a human glancing at it before it goes out the door. Okay. So I tend to trust, I mean, the government has a huge weather service and a lot of people. So I like using government stuff. I also know people that do a lot of those jobs. So I tend to trust it when there's, you know, a human being looking at it versus an algorithm. Um, mm -hmm. So I think you have a better chance on the government websites of that an, an actual person looked at it. We run into that too in aviation with our our little you know the ATIS versus the AWAS and I you know you know what those are yeah yeah because the AWAS it's like oh no it's you know there's you know it's overcast at the airport and then you go and there's like not a cloud in sight it's like what are you talking about yeah <laughs> some just, of the automated observing know. sites I mean you you know when you look at them because it's got the code on there mm -hmm. which ones have a human and which ones don't and some of them are really really bad but um, I don't know how they can fix. I mean, clearly they can't afford to have a, a human at every little outstation. Um, right. Yeah, so those just kind of have to take with a grain of salt. Well, I think you brought up a very, very good point, especially with the human aspect, because when we look at weather in terms like say radar, say, you know, forecasting abilities, you know, human versus, versus a computerized, you look at the skew T, you look at all these different products that are out there, but and my little iPad, it shows this little radar right here. People don't real, I mean, people I'm sure realize, but a lot of people don't don't take into consideration that information's 15 minutes old, you know, 20 minutes old, or it's it's delayed on the reporting. And even even the what's the one I use, the Fox News um, app that they just came out with a you know a while back. All that stuff is still it, yes, it's prevalent. But in aviation, when when seconds and minutes count, you can't expect something that's going to be, you know, 15 minutes past is going to be valuable to you right now. 
know, so I think bringing up the whole human aspect, bringing up the the disconnect between human versus versus technology, and technology is is only as good as the humans can can program it to be. Whereas you can actually use logic to determine, okay, we think this is going to happen. Whereas the computer is going to say, oh, you know, one one zero zero one zero zero one zero zero. You know, you know what I mean. It's 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 very linear versus versus dynamic if that makes any sense yeah yeah for example a, a human is going to be able to uh with mixed precipitation um you know an algorithm is probably going to have problems trying to figure out what's going to happen at 34 degrees whereas a human might have a better chance of saying like okay we have a warm layer aloft and a cold layer at the surface and so we think this is going to be freezing rain um yeah, and I'm not saying the apps don't have them. I have them, but you just have to right. remember what you're dealing with and the shortcomings. Yeah, um, sure. and always look at timestamps. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, absolutely. Typically, we'll have a little segment of either we offer some random trivia of some sort or offering an unpopular opinion of like aviation related, if you have one. But because you're more the weather side. I'm not sure what you've got. She might so, have some opinions about us pilots. She might actually. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, she I does. Know I, do. she, I can tell by her face she's got something there. <laughs> uh, when pilots try to argue with the weather person about the weather, what the weather's gonna do. That's delightful. Um, <laughs> but we're pilots and we know everything. <laughs> um, <Just> ask. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um. It is funny because pilots will be like, no, but I need to, I need to fly. Can't you just it's like, you can't change that? What are you You're thinking? the magic weather person. <laughs> they could do things. Um, and then, yeah, we kind of uh, went over this, but um, in weather circles, and this isn't just a pilot thing, but we do joke a lot about the people that'll ask us a question and then hear our answer and be like, but that's not what my app said. And you're like, why did you ask? <laughs> we really appreciate you coming on. This has been a lot of fun. And yes, thank you so appreciate much. your insight and your sharing your stories with us. Yes, you're welcome. So we had a really great conversation with Nicole, not just about the spring and summer weather that you heard, but she also expands that conversation into her time with the hurricane hunters in the United States Air Force Reserves. So what we'll do is next episode, we will bring you the content from the rest of the interview with Nicole, and we'll hear all about her time with the Hurricane Hunters and the various storms that she flew and what the Hurricane Hunters are all about. Got any questions, suggestions, opinions? Let us know. How, Maddie? How will we let you know? The World Wide Web. www.worldwideweb. Follow us on all our social media. Currently, we have Facebook and Instagram. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow us hit the bell, all that good stuff. If you want to reach out to us with any questions or comments or future show ideas, you can reach us on any of our social media platforms or email us at flyingmidwestpodcasts at gmail.com. All right. Until next time. See ya. See ya. See ya. Thanks so much for joining us on the Flying Midwest Podcast. Until next time, podcast service terminated, Squawk VFR, frequency change approved. Good day.
Hey guys, it's the Badger Pilot on Facebook and Instagram at the Badger Pilot. Very proud to be the first subscriber to introduce the blooper reel. Because if you ain't first, you're last. See ya! The Badger Pilot flying around the Badger State, based by the VOR. <laughs> based at the VOR. Which VOR Badger Pilot? It could be any one of them. The Badger VOR. There's a gentleman in Duluth, Minnesota, who is actually starting up an air park. Cool story. Thanks. <laughs> Hold on. Stop. This article's really long. <coughs> yeah, well, you're Minnesota? going. You're in uh, North Dakota now. No, I'm in Washington, but the story's oh, in North Dakota. <laughs> These are the jokes, folks. I got into Maggie's step. Or Maggie, your name is Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I here? Is Sioux City in Iowa? Sioux City's in Iowa. Okay, great, because this keeps mentioning Nebraska. Or, because yeah. it's right on the border. Because they're right next to each other. Cool, I don't know. You well, two are getting maps for Christmas. That's all I have to say about that. All right, Forrest, on to the next story. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the program is going to be... It's going to be really cool. <laughs> Just go with that. Yeah, the end. I've said platform many times, too many times, right? Yes. No, it's yeah. not like you've gotten a specific platform with it, so go ahead, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, I was looking at pictures. You're not yeah. doing your job. Oh if we Romania. paid you, I'd cut your pay. <laughs> you get zero dollars now. Well, no, you, you cut my pay, so that means I, I'm negative equity, so I have to pay to be here. <laughs> Um, let me know where you'd like to deposit it. I'll be willing to take that. Street tacos and young eagle flights and activities. Oh my! <laughs> Street tacos and young eagles. No, that, I can't. I can't do that. Remember how you had your margaritas a couple weeks ago, Maddie? It's Trevor's one turn. margarita. Two one. margarita. Three margarita. Floor. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I assume you can edit. So do you want me to oh, yeah. just kind of start? Yeah. Where... Yep, just start over wherever you're comfortable and I will yeah. make the tiny children go away. <laughs> <laughs> My mom's like, oh, you're you're going to spread your wings and soar. She said it almost kind of like that. Like, oh, please don't, mom. <laughs> mom, I will be back. I'll put you in a home. Wow. I'm telling my mom. Don't say Hi, that. Honey. And don't. you're going to hear that in the bloopers. I'm telling my mom. Street tacos and young eagle flights and activities. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs>